Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Hey, Boiling Pointers. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Before we start, Dave and I want to let you know all about our Boiling Point process, online courses, live events, and masterminds. After interviewing hundreds of leaders, we've packaged a ton of knowledge together to serve up to you. Info that will help you and your company be heard in a very noisy marketplace. So visit www.boilingpointprocess.com and sign up for the email newsletter, and we'll let you know when our next cohort or event is. Thanks also for supporting The Boiling Point by subscribing to us on iTunes and also leaving a rating for us. Dave, we are back in The Boiling Point. And how exciting is it that we had the opportunity to start launching our Boiling Point process at boilingpointprocess.com? Are you excited, Dave? I am. We've been talking about this for far too long. I know, I know. But it's, it is, it is, um, it's a labor of love. And we finally get to share it with the world. We've we've launched it to a group that gave us amazing feedback, and we are you know now it's now it's ready to be uh, really exposed to anyone anywhere in the world online. Yeah, and uh, essentially, um, with all of these amazing guests that we've had over the years, every single week for well over two hundred fifty weeks, uh, we've been able to learn so much about being heard in a noisy market. We've learned about marketing and social media marketing and today's guest is no exception today's guest is somebody who's going to be able to bring us down a path uh, of mystery and intrigue and a little bit of double uh agentness uh, a double agentness so uh, okay i i'm i'm, I'm going to take this because uh, dorte has become a friend of mine and uh, only today I have practiced her, uh, how to pronounce her last name. So Dorotea Bozicolona Volpe is on the boiling point. How did I do, Dorotea? 10 out of 10. Oh, nice. I was, was going to be really mean and get, uh, get Dave you to try it. You nailed it, man. You nailed it. I'm so proud of you. Dorotea, listen, thank you so much for, for uh, coming on. We've tried a few times in the past and... Uh, you know, we have uh, a number of uh, of common relations out there, and you and I have connected on the phone, Thank and you. and I've I've checked out your incredible TED uh, TED uh, X talk, and wow, you're doing amazing you. things. So, you know, for Dave and our listeners' sake, why don't why don't we just give you the opportunity to introduce yourself? But then Dave's got a lot of really interesting questions that he has for you after reading the bio. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Um, I'm not really good about talking about myself, so I'll try to keep it in a couple of sentences. Is that okay? That's perfect. Um, I consider myself a citizen of the world, born in the United States, in New York City, America's city, uh, raised all throughout Europe. I'd like to think that um, I've walked through life with an open mind and an open heart, and it served me very well. Moved to the deep south, Atlanta, Georgia, for the love of my life, uh, with both work and love, you know, at my at my backside is the wind beneath my wings. I feel to some degree that I've had the opportunity to flourish 
and here I am today. I mean, how how big of a, a deal is it that I get to be on the Boiling Point Process podcast? Um, <laughs> it, it, it is the biggest deal podcast, for us. But I, I like the launching of the process. I've been watching the videos on Twitter. Um, it's just, it's so great that you guys also bring your, you know, your show to the masses, your audiences. It reminds me a lot of when This American Life, you know, goes on tour or, or that kind of thing. I'm a huge NPR listener. So good on you. Congratulations to both of you. Oh, well, th- thank you so much, Dorothy. We really, really appreciate that. Now, um, you have such an interesting past. You know, uh, working closely with uh, MA5, KGB, CIA, FBI. We kind of teased that a little bit at the beginning, that you are a uh, international woman of, um, of, of, of of much intrigue and mystery. <laughs> and you have been able to really inspire audiences, um, really talking about the new uh, way of being a social media expert. Um, you know, y- y- the, the language around what, uh, what what you said back in the day, it was kind of like a blind date, uh, you know, uh, when you were putting yourself out there, helping people with social media. You don't really know what you're doing. You're just kind of throwing stuff out there, hoping that um, hoping that there's a, a, a real solid, authentic relationship uh, that was built. But today, things are much different, aren't they? Um, lo- Almost definitely. Love to get your uh, your angle on uh, on all of this. So I think what you're touching upon is one area of my practice, which is personal branding, and teaching people how to use social media and digital. Um, we'll call them digital channels uh, correctly. What used to happen back in the day, and and how I con- communicated with I, I say with my fellow nerds and digiheads was through channels like uh, the original communities that were online through CompuServe and Prodigy. And I'm really aging myself because it's during the time frame of the, the fax machine. Um, today, everything that we put online from what we're eating for lunch or dinner or to the fact that one of our children may have made the honor roll at school or the fact that we might be taking our partner out for you know uh, a fabulous night at a comedy club and for a, a great dinner... All of that now is consumed, and it's how people how people are viewing us at times for the first time. So it's important that we realize as we begin to post and comment um, that we're mindful, that we're putting out the best of ourselves that we can. Now, what I mean by that is that it's important that we're authentic. Authenticity really does reign true when it comes to personal branding. But it's also really important that when you put information out there, you realize that you're asking someone to not only, you know, connect with you and communicate with you, but also you may be digitally introducing yourself to them. You know, years ago we used to call, you know, LinkedIn the first step to a digital handshake. Um, Today, you know, we're, we're no longer living our lives, but we're narrating them on Instagram and Snapchat and <laughs> YouTube and Facebook and I can go on and on and I, on. I, I, don't I, want to I, lo- I love you how you just like, said, like, narrate. But, it's so true. The narration of our lives is on these platforms. That's a really uh, neat way of looking at it. I like to think so. Well, and you, and you mentioned um, that, and this is Dave speaking, because uh, Greg gave me a chance to chime in here, um, uh, but personal branding being one... Jump on in, Dave. Yes. Thank really. you. Thank you. <laughs> so, but uh, personal branding being one component of your business, and I understand that you talk about strategy, social, influencer, loyalty, community building, um, and marketing technology. So there's a lot there. I'm, I, and, and I love, like, and I'm, I'm curious about personal branding. As I'm listening to you, I'm thinking of myself, and I'm thinking, how much time do I actually give 
to considering, you know, if I'm sending a tweet or if I'm posting on LinkedIn. And and I would say when I do it in a business context, I probably do give it some f- a fair bit of thought. But, you know, when I do it from a personal standpoint, I probably don't give it the thought required. Just as I was listening to you, I was thinking that the importance of, of, of making sure, you know, anytime you put you know, anything out there um, you can't bring back, it's probably, it's, you know, it's probably important to be considering, you know, what impression it's making. And is it, is my, is this normal? What I, you know, my experience in terms of, you know, kind of how I influencing my, my personal brand unintentionally? Oh, it's completely normal. And I think that, you know, I'll, I'll say about a handful of years ago, uh, probably like, like around 20, I don't know, 13, 2014, what I would get a lot from the pushback I'd get from the entrepreneurs and even the enterprise C-suite executives that I work with is, oh, you know, my LinkedIn is just for business and my Facebook and other these other channels are for my personal. And I say, well, no, because what you're putting out there, right, everyone can see, number one. Number two, this is the first time in the history of business where both your personal and your professional lives are intermingling. They're meshed. I mean, wouldn't but gentlemen, wouldn't you agree with me that we tend to do business with people that we like, people we enjoy spending time with, you know, and they've become, in the case of some of my clients, they've become friends. I've become, you know, the godmother to some of their children and I have supped at their homes and I've spent time with them personally and professionally, taking them through both their struggles and triumphs in life. So I think that now is the time when you think about personal branding specifically, and I'm going to speak to more of who I feel your audiences are, which are entrepreneurs, you know, what you put out there could be the first connection to that right employee that you've been trying to recruit for ages. What you put out there, your content, could attract that right angel investor or VC to what you're trying to accomplish in your company's goals or getting your service, your solution, your product out there. What you put out there from a content perspective, and now I'm talking to the single folk out there, could be what attracts your next partner, your next mate, you know? And I feel like we don't treat it with the amount of importance, to your point, Dave, if I may, that perhaps we should. Does that properly or adequately answer your question? 100%, 100%. So what would be a tip you would give someone like me? You know, Greg, you're more prolific. You probably, you. I'm guessing you maybe think it out a little more. Oh my gosh, I'm, just as a quick side, every Saturday morning, I'll put an hour and a half to two hours writing uh, a week's worth of personal, really uh, personal Instagram. Wow. Uh, cool. Yeah. So like I, so you, but you, I've you I've always discipline. seen that connection, that deep connection, because I'm, you know, I'm so connected to my corporate brand as a person. Yeah. And so it might not hold true for everybody, but yeah. I really live that reality. Well, yeah. I, I like what uh, what Dorothea is saying about um, the fact that you're. You know, it is so important because once it's out there, there is that there is no separation. You know, from the standpoint of the the audience, right? And uh, and I and and so a tip. What would you, what would be a tip you would give your clients or someone like me um, around? You know, just being more intentional. You know, Greg has a has a discipline on Saturday mornings. What 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 else should people be doing? Do you think? So I want to first, if I may, I want to go back to something that Greg is doing and compliment him. Greg is using Instagram as a blog platform. Oh, you noticed. And I feel that it, yeah, I feel that it's really has over time really evolved into that. And I follow Greg pretty religiously. I don't always comment on everything, but what he does is very authentically, he lets people into both his professional and personal life. 
his connection to his community. He lives in Newfoundland. He talks about it a lot. I love the post with his children um, because Greg's a ginger and you can see his little kids look so much like him. Um, but it's great because I feel like I know him now as a business person, but I also now know him as a father, right, as a dad. So I see him in a very more human way. So good on you, Greg. Oh, thank um, you, so to answer your question, Dave, I think it's really important, and, and I learned this as a little girl, and when I was in law enforcement strategy, boy, did it ring true. Um, my grandfather Volpe, my nono Volpe, we say nono in Italian, it means grandpa. I was a bit of a tomboy, and I really liked pushing the envelope. I uh, refused to wear dresses. I refused to arrive to church on time. I was rebellious as a young girl when young girls really shouldn't be rebellious. They should be listening to their parental guardians. And he did a good job of sitting me down one day. Uh, and maybe I was five or six years old, and I remember how serious he was. You know, we all have that moment with our parents, whether you were raised by grandparents as I was, or maybe perhaps a, a mother, father, two moms, two dads, whatever, where you get that really strong talking to about, hey, this is how you're going to have to deal with life. And, you know, tough beans, buddy. You're going to have to just deal with it. And he looked at me and he said, you have two eyes, two ears, and one mouth, young lady. Use them accordingly. And boy, has that served me well. Listening is so important. And not just for a brand or a company, but you as an individual. I noticed that when Greg posts something, he waits a moment, maybe a few hours, maybe a day or so. And when people chime in, I think he must have his settings set in a certain way because he goes back and he immediately thanks them and he immediately makes a comment back. And I don't know if he gets those alerts and he, he's changed his settings. On I wish I knew how to get to alerts, that. actually. I just but, I just make a note to check every couple of days. I'll just pop in and go yeah, back to the week. Yeah. But, but wouldn't you agree, Greg, when, when you listen to someone, you're looking at them and saying, and I'm going to use the old avatar phrase, right? I see you. I'm acknowledging you. I'm telling you that what you're sharing with me is very valid. And this is at heart what I train companies when it comes to community building. You know, mm. when, when people are commenting bad or good on the content that you put out, the first thing you have to do is show gratitude, thank them. So, Dave, in answer to your question, I think listening is so important because first understanding who your audiences are is how you win at this game, not by just posting content, just post content for content's sake, right? Yeah. Your content has to have context. It has to be relevant to your audiences. And so I teach the brands and the companies that I work with sociotechnography. Uh, I learned it in law enforcement. I now use it in my full-time gig as a marketing strategist. I think it's really important to know where your audience is coming from. You know, a, a big brand like an IBM might say, well, we want to know what our customer's pain point is. Wonderful. How would you know unless you listen, unless you ask, unless you create the kind of content that's thought-provoking and makes them want to talk about their plight? Um, one of the things that we really admire uh, is, you know, brands like like Patagonia, for example, who I reference mm -hmm. all the time. Um, you do. Yeah. I've been listening. <laughs> I, just, I just think they, they've just figured content out really well, and they've been able to demonstrate the values and what they believe in so well by not talking about themselves, but really helping amplify other people's good work, um, which I think is really, really cool. I've used that as a uh, as a tip for others is like think about other people's stories that you can amplify um, through your own stories. And uh, have you bumped into that a little bit, uh, Dorte, at all? Like where 
as a strategy. Oh, of course. It's all about telling of your course. own story, sure, but it's not about you. You know, if, if I, yeah, um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, can you finish answer your, your thought? No, yeah, I was I'll just saying, in. like, uh, I, I do feel the urge to tell my more universal story on a, on a daily basis, but I'm always trying to tell the story of others, tell my experience through somebody else's experience, experience you know, to help promote other ideas, other experiences, other events, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and I think that that's great because that's at heart really what Boiling Point is about. You guys are about telling other people's stories so someone might listen and say, oh, you know, I, I, I had the same trials and tribulations and I was able, able to overcome it like X. I think that, you know, if there are people or such as yourselves that I follow um, that I feel do a very good job of that, I really love what Tom and Ariana Sylvester of... I don't want to get it wrong. Um, they've created this really interesting community around couples who go into business together. And the thing that's really fascinating is that Tom has this great, I don't know how, how to put it, but he's got a practice around how to help them. It's called Lifestyle Builders. And I love the logo. It's like your life, your business, your way. And what they do is they train couples, you know, married couples, you know, uh, straight, gay and otherwise, how to not only work together, but live together and live the life that they've always wanted to live by being entrepreneurial and having their own business. Another really great example, I don't know if you guys have read it yet, but I'm going to be posting some photos of myself holding it up because I'm in the middle of reading it. There's a great book by Mark Schaefer, uh, the fellow from the Grow uh, Business blog, who is, like yourselves, a master at telling other people's stories. Mark has created um, a book that really helps take people through how big brands have used people, their customers, in a way to create community, create influence, grow their bottom line. Uh, the book is called Marketing Rebellion, The Most Human Company Wins. And, you know, one of the, the stories they talk about, he talks about in his book, is like, you know, what Nike did with Colin Kaepernick. What Tony's Chocolate Only, the you know chocolate bar company, did. What Glossier did. Again, if you go to each and every case study, the number one thing that they did was they listened to their customers and learned, you know, what it was that they desperately wanted. They listened to the industry and saw where there was a, a let's say a sliver of need, and then focused on that sliver and were able to, you know, eke out their own sort of, you know, slice of, of, of that industry or slice of business. I mean, let's face it, there's so much glut in the chocolate market. How can an independent chocolate bar brand, you know, you know, get its voice heard from the big mammoth, you know, companies that have huge marketing budgets like the Hershey's and M&M Mars? And I think that if I could, those are the two brands or the two companies that I feel very aligned with. And I feel that they do a good job of telling the stories of their their customers. And in the case of Mark Schaefer, telling the stories of brands who realized early on that if you don't embrace the rebels, you know, you're not going to win. One of the things Nike did is they took a real hard look at the people who were buying their trainers, their sneakers, their shoes. And here you have a bunch of aspirational, let's let's be let's face it, younger folks, right, who are willing to spend two hundred fifty to five hundred dollars on a pair of trainers, uh, because they look at them as not just a fashion statement, but also something that, for them, um, 
you know, uh, says something about themselves, but it's also part of their how they live their life, how they want to be more healthful. Um, Colin Kaepernick, they looked at and said, you know, this guy's a real rebel. He has his own political thoughts and we embrace him. And he's also someone that our demographic embraces as being a hero. So why don't we get behind this movement? And basically what they were saying, you know, is that, hey, you know, you may be older and don't fit our demographic. And maybe you're a dad or a mom or spending $500 on a pair of shoes is not really, you know, what makes you feel good about yourself or what have you. You know, we don't necessarily want your business. We want to focus on those people that look at the Nike brand and feel a kinship to it. So we're going to, you know, embrace this individual that we feel is a societal hero. And that's how we're going to move forward. And by doing so, you know, you saw the backlash. I don't need to, you mm-hmm. know, have you Google Nike and destroy your trainers or destroy your sneakers. There were a great number of people who politically didn't get behind what Nike was doing. But to Nike's credit, they said, you know, hey, we don't necessarily want you to buy our shoes. Yeah, and, they, and that's they, a pretty bold statement. Totally, yeah, that's a pretty bold thing to do. Totally, it was. It's I. I like how provocative they were, and um, and I, I, yeah, I, I like. I think it's quite a movement, and, and and it speaks to you know, and and I love the the name you you. I, I believe it was you've given this is this idea of social espionage and this idea that there, there is a lot of complexity around social media marketing, right? And, and strategy. Oh, definitely. And I don't know anyone that would argue that point. So tell us a little bit about social espionage and like how that came about and, and, and how that relates to the, the services that you offer. Uh, it, it really stems and it comes from, you know, working in law enforcement and seeing how certain behaviors caused or sparked uh, certain actions. Um, and I'm not going to go into great detail there because that was my former life. Um, but it, I feel it was a good foundation for launching my own business in 2005 and allowing me to move forward and use the skill set, the expertise I learned in law enforcement strategy and research to help companies understand their marketing frameworks, whether it was their marketing tech solutions, how to get closer to their real customer socio-technography, branding themselves in a specific way. Social espionage at heart is really about creating revenue where revenue did not previously exist. So I'm going to go back to that little sliver, right? I find that there are a great number of companies that um, exist in certain industries and, and they're sort of considered the industry leader or industry standard. And I'm going to pick a little bit on Coca-Cola and Pepsi because, as you know, gentlemen, I reside part of the time in Atlanta, Georgia, and we recently hosted this little football uh, game. Uh, what's it called? That's right, the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm joking, obviously. <laughs> um, and, you know, one of the, the coolest things, I think, two things that I thought was very interesting about the soft drink market, a new sparkling water came uh, uh, on the market called uh, Bubbly, and it's been around for a time, but um, they used sort of the joke of Michael Bublé, your famous Canadian who sounds like Frank Sinatra. All the women swoon when they hear him sing. Um, they used it as a joke on his name, a play on words. And you have to realize that now they're not only attracting a younger consumer, but also a consumer that listens to his music that might skew a tad older. So I think Digital Moms really embraced that. And I thought that was a really unique way to focus, but also focus on that sliver to, to change change the, the conversation. Speaking of conversation changes, something that was also very shocking was what Coca-Cola did. 
historically, this almost 200-year-old company, right, has always done a Super Bowl ad since the dawn of the Super Bowl. They've been some way, shape, or form involved in, in that event and had a hand in either advertising or some kind of co-branding something. And I found it very unique that this year they said, you know what, we're not going to take out uh, an ad at Super Bowl halftime, but we'll run one prior to the NFL event. And the message they were trying to convey was one of unity. If you get a chance to watch it, um, I strongly recommend it. I tweeted it out on Sunday, but I'll probably tweet it again over the weekend. And if you're following at Social Espionage, you'll see it. I thought it was great about how Coca-Cola themselves really embraces the idea of global thought leadership. And then I'm going to add one other thing to it. I, I thought it was very unique that Bud Light and HBO decided to partner. They did a very interesting ad on uh, Game of Thrones and then the Bud Light night, you know. And uh, seeing two brands come together like that was, I think, genius branding and very on-trend. So social espionage um, would be the type of company that would help, you know, first find out what would be thought-provoking, where could you, in a very tight space, you know, find something that would be unique and thought-provoking. But it all goes back to what I said previously, it's really important that you put the customer first and listen. And that the content that you put out there, whether it's a message or an Instagram IGTV video or an infographic, that it has relevancy to who you're speaking to. You know, when you go to a cocktail party, Dave and Greg, you don't walk up to somebody, introduce yourself and then turn your back and walk away now, do you? You ask them who they are and what they're about. And you sit and you listen and you learn. I look at the internet as being uh, the world's largest cocktail party. I want to meet people. I want to learn about them. I mean, people are just delicious, aren't they? <laughs> well, and, and I think that I think that's sometimes what we forget that we should be treating it like, like when you give that example, it's like, yeah, obviously you'd you'd, you'd have this conversation, and you know, if you're at a cocktail party or any kind of a restaurant anywhere, you're you're interacting, but somehow for whatever reason. When, when we're using kind of our digital signature, we don't, some you know, we forget that for whatever, you know, it's, it's, just, it's, it's you know, so I, I like your, I love the idea of listening more effectively and I, I guess engaging. And, and as you pointed out, Greg, Greg does a good job of that. I, there's a couple. Well, so first off, I, we should we should let you know make sure people know how to to follow you, and it's at social espionage is your Twitter handle, right? Correct. And it mm -hmm. sounds like and it's it the same on Instagram. Yeah. I have a website that's socialespionage.com. <laughs> Forgive me, it's in the middle of being a little. Uh, I'm in the background right now. We're doing some reconstruction on it, so um, uh, in the in the next uh, six months, it's going to look very different. But yes, I'm at socialespionage.com. On Instagram and Twitter, I'm at Social Espionage. You can find me very easily on LinkedIn. Uh, the name Dorothea Bozzi Colonna Volpe is kind of unique. <laughs> I would say. So I'm, I'm easy to find there as well. Um, and I will say that I'm most active on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Facebook for me, and, and I, I don't know if it's just been sort of where my head has been at lately, Um you know, I do post on Facebook, and I, and I love having friends like Greg. And, of course, Dave, I will add you today. Uh, Facebook's been a great way for me to do a lot of listening, to a lot of learning from people. Um, but I've also seen, and, and I'm speaking now more as an American citizen, which, by the way, I'm very proud to be an American citizen. Um, 
I feel that Facebook, uh, as I have listened and I've learned and I've watched and I've read, has become uh, uh, very political. And as you probably have seen in the news a good bit lately, there have been some, you know, a great number of investigations and inquiries that have gone on relative to Facebook allowing certain data and content to be revealed to certain people without not necessarily knowing how to control it. I think they're getting better at it. But I, I don't particularly care for people when they're giving their views to be lambasted or trolled by others. Look, I may not agree with you and Greg, Dave, on how you live your life or what you eat or where you go with your children or your partner, but quite honestly, you shouldn't care. And yeah. I've seen Facebook conversations divide people. Yeah, no, um, totally. Divide so families. And, yeah. and I mean, I know Twitter is kind of the place for trolling. That has not been my experience, probably because I'm not a celebrity, thank goodness. And I work very humbly in the background to the brands. I feel so honored to, to have the opportunity to serve uh, the brands and people, I should say, that I feel very honored uh, to serve. Um, but, but Facebook to me has become, it's become a place of um, a lot of contention. And for me, I just at this point have done more just listening, learning, um, I do involve myself in some of the conversations where I feel passionately uh, engaged. But for the most part, I'm kind of taking a bit of a break from my Facebook posting. I don't post as much as I used to. And it's predominantly because of what I've seen happen politically here in the United States. I learned long ago, my grandfather said, you know, it, it's important that you, you, when you walk into a room, you remember two things. And I don't know about you guys, but meeting presidents of companies that are multi-billion dollar companies, it can be a little intimidating for somebody who, like myself, is an entrepreneur and a, and a you know, consultant, a strategist. Um, but I've always kept my grandfather's words in the back of my mind and that, not to be so graphic, but we all bleed red and we all pee yellow. So when I meet these people who are very famous and, I, and very wealthy and so on and so forth, I just shake their hands like, you know, I'm meeting my postman or somebody off the street because that's who they are. They're human beings. They need to be treated as such. Amen. Well, Dorothea, what a, what a treat to finally get you on here. And uh, my last question for you is, out of all yes, of the Dave. skate parks in the world, what is the funnest one to skateboard on? That you've experienced. Oh, you know about that, don't you? Course, last oh, time I talked you to you, you had okay. about nine so skateboard decks hanging up on the wall behind you. Here's a funny story on that one. So, my friend Miguel, who's Portuguese and Swedish, of all things, um, he, he, when I was traveling to London, and I was literally in like a, a dress, you know, I was in a dress coming off the plane. He dared me once to skate uh, on the side of the Tate, on the, on the, the bank on Bankside there in London. But my favorite place, let's see, and that video's out there somewhere. There's a video, and I think Greg Hemmings found it. If you follow at Social Espionage and you look at last summer in Paris, so here's the other thing you never do. Do not dare me when it comes to skateboarding because people have done it and they have lived <laughs> to regret it to the point where money has had to change hands, right? Lots of money. <laughs> Come off a plane at Charles de Gaulle, my oldest and dearest friend, Jamal Benoit. Um, we're walking to see his company. Uh, he did a really cool, um, they, they, I don't know how much you follow the, the writer. Um, he wrote Catcher in the Rye, J.D. Salinger. Mm -hmm. He also wrote one children's book. And it, it, it goes something along the lines of it's another day of dreaming of the banana and the fish. 
and some really small curator in, in, in France uh, got together with local businesses that were in the area and artists, uh, writers, that kind of thing. We basically created a collective and took from the stories in the book, again, J.D. Salinger, the famous um, American author, from the, the children's book, he took specific fables or tales and he created this art show. And it was brilliantly done because it was all based on children's dreams and nightmares. So I'm, you know, going to attend it that afternoon. I'm fresh off a flight. I feel completely shattered. But, you know, it's like knock back two cups of tea or coffee and get going, right? So I'm, I think I was in a pair of jeans and trainers and we're walking up and there's these young kids and it's just this cool place. Uh, let's talk about parks because I love museums, but I love museums that are attached to parks. So Dave, there's a place called Palais de Tokyo in Paris. And it has become an exhibition center, but it's also predominantly with the, the palace, uh, the Tokyo, the, the Japanese palace that was built during, I think, one of the famous world fairs. I think that's the history of it. I could be wrong, so don't necessarily quote me there. And there's these young teenage boys, pimple face, you know, it's the middle of the summer, and they're all kind of, you know, skating. And Jama looks at me and he's like, Shiki, oh, that's my nickname in French. Um, I bet those kids would let you, you know, let you skate, but uh, I don't think you could do it. You know, this is kind of an odd place right in front of the museum. And I, I looked at him and I said, are you daring me? And he said, yes. And I said, okay, if I do it, then you owe me a drink. And I was trying to be kind, right? Because I could have asked for more. <laughs> um, Walked up to this kid. Uh, I think he was all of like maybe, I don't know, maybe 17, 18 years old. I couldn't guess really. And I said, is it okay? And I think he, they were nervous because there was like a pack of them. Like, here's a woman that's old enough to be our mother asking to borrow the skateboard. And I went back and I did a couple of tricks and I came back. And, and Jamal took a video of all of it. It has been posted on Instagram. I think Greg saw it. Um, but I remember like as I was giving the skateboard deck back to the kid, I asked him, I was like, you know, you know, how old are you? And he said, I'm, I'm 17 old. You know, I'm 17 years old. And I looked at him and I said, I can be your mother. <laughs> and I, Dave, I'm happiest when I'm on the skateboard. You'll, no, you'll never see me frowning. I'm I love that. <laughs> well, it makes me want to learn how to skateboard yeah, like, when well, I hear this story. I, I, let's, let's you and I go skating sometime soon. Oh, no, you I'll can embarrass me. Oh, I would love oh, that. I I think love. I, if I happily fly up to Canada and skate with the two of you, I'd bring a <laughs> well, couple of decks. Well, Dorte, in all honesty, we'll have that in a future conversation. We will. We are looking at doing a, a large-scale event um, up here, and I think you'd be an amazing person uh, to be involved. So, uh, oh, I'd love stay that. Tuned Let me know if you need on that. On we'll, that, we will have that offline. And for those folks who want to stay tuned as well, uh, make sure you go to the boilingpointprocess.com and put your email in because these events that are coming up, um, you'll be the first to find out uh, on our email list. And uh, Dorte, I, I thank you so much for spending your time with us uh, today. Looking forward to continuing to follow your incredible uh, espionage-esque life on Instagram uh, and LinkedIn. And uh, thanks. Let's, let's have you back on here uh, sometime in the near future. Oh, I would like that so much. It was such an honor. I, I can't thank you and Dave enough. First, for your patience, Greg, because I know we had a bit of a stop and start a couple oh, of no times. no worries at all. It, also, it's, it's a two-way street yeah, of patience. It's all good. Yeah, but, but also, I was going to say, sorry to cut you off, uh, you know, thank you so much for the generous gift of your time. It's been so lovely to be included on the journey of Boiling Point process. And, and I feel very honored that social espionage has 
small little part of that. So thank you again for the generous gift of your time and for including me. I feel really honored. Thank you. Oh, awesome. Well, you know what? I, I've got to get, uh, I guess, linked up on Twitter right now because i got to go back and check out this uh, skating yeah, video. For, yeah, on, I can't wait to do that. It's on, and, and, and it's on Instagram. Truly following oh, okay. Instagram okay. as well. Okay, yeah, got, it is. Got to yeah. do it. I think it's like, Greg, wasn't it like right when we met? It was like last summer or something? Yeah. It was last summer. I remember it was like June or something of, of last year. June, June or July. Uh, I, know, I was speaking was to you on the beach, on my future beach. Which I'll give you updates yeah. on next time we chat. Oh, there, you, there you are on on Twitter. So we yeah. boom. Okay, boom. we're connected. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. We look forward to having you back and having you up and checking out the skate parks close to home. <laughs> Thanks oh, so much, like Dorothea. We stay in French, gentlemen. Je vous souhaite une bonne journée. Oh. Have a beautiful day. A demain. You too. <laughs> bye Take bye. Care. That was awesome. she is such a a joy to speak to, Dave. What a gem! Yeah. Like, oh totally. my goodness, she is so. It's just interesting. Oh, like, I, know, I don't like, know how straight. And like, like, I, like I, I, int- I introduced it as like uh, 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 this uh, international woman of mystery, but she kind of is. <laughs> you oh, know? Big like, time. Big she's time. She's a very interesting, has, has a life, a, a lived life, you know, um, that she lives with a lot of love. And for those who want to learn more, find her on TED Talks, on TEDx. Uh, her her TED is really, it's a special story. It's really cool. Um and uh, I'm really uh, enjoying getting to know her. So, uh, Dave, I think as we start to um, round up our future International Bowling Point Summit, mm. uh, which is the first time I've, uh, I've, I've said it on air, um, we have to start figuring out who of our epic guests we yeah. can uh, encourage to come to St. John, New Brunswick yeah, yeah. in uh, 2020. Do you know what I'd like to learn more from her is, you know, and it's a step in the process around community building, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that's, that's a piece of what she does. And it'll be really interesting to get her take. And I could see her being an amazing deep dive, um, on that topic. Um, oh gosh, incredible. so, and the other piece that I, we never had a chance to talk about, but it's something I'm taking away. It's, I really like how she, uh, has done, you know, to kind of taken her experiences and kind of, and, 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 you know, basically use them, uh, to inform her in her current state. Right. And I think, you know, it's that whole idea of connecting the dots, looking backwards, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and it's so important. And I think, you know, I know I'm in the perfect industry for that kind of thing because, you know, I, I heard once from a, a wise a wise coach who said, you know, all the, the all the screw-ups you've had, all the mistakes, everything makes you a good coach, you know what I mean? So you can – and all the successes and, you know, and that's – to me, I'm hearing her bring, you know, law enforcement, all these, you know, experiences she had as, a, as that international citizen – um, or citizen of the world, you know, and, and to inform how she looks at like social espionage as an yeah. example. So it's very cool. So thank you for, again, for bringing such a cool guest, and, Mr. Hemmings. Uh, it's neat. Uh, she just texted us right now saying that she had a great time. So why don't we take a picture of us right now? Here you go, Dave. Ready? One, two, three. Bam. And we'll encourage her to uh, add this to perhaps her, um, her Instagram. We'll see you next week, uh, Dave. See you, buddy. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember... Keep that pot boiling.
Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100% because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. <laughs> <laughs>